This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hello, cat lovers, cat friends, cat people. This is Michelle Fern, your host on Catitude. You know, all of us have had the need for a cat sitter at some point, whether, you know, we have a, a vacation or, you know, a family situation or something. And you think you know what to do or how to, you know, how your cat will be with a cat sitter. But I'm here to tell you, you don't. And my next guest is the author of a fabulous little book, and it was an eye-opener, and I thought I knew all this, but I didn't. So stay tuned. We're going to bring him on the show, and we'll be right back after this message. Does your pet's breath leave a bit or a lot to be desired? You can give your pet the gift of sweeter breath, and you'll get sweeter kisses with Probiora Pet. That breath is the result of harmful bacteria which lives in your pet's mouth. And that harmful bacteria can lead to serious health problems. The solution is to crowd out that bad bacteria with positive bacteria. All it takes is one scoop a day of Probiora Pet mixed into their food to replenish the good bacteria. That's it! This all-natural, no-taste, no-odor powder is the only dental care probiotic for pets which delivers beneficial bacteria which supports tooth and gum health and crowds out the bad. A healthy body starts with a healthy mouth, and Probiora Pet is the best way to give your pet a healthy mouth. And our listeners get a 10% discount using PLR10 at checkout. To purchase, go to probiorahealth.com. That's probiorahealth.com. And use code PLR10 at checkout for 10% off. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back, everyone. I'd like to welcome Stephen Taylor. He is a professional cat sitter and author of the book, Your Cat Won't Do That. Welcome, Stephen. Thank you for having me, Michelle. I really appreciate you bringing me on today. I'm so happy to have you. You know, I've been doing Catitude for four years and I've had cat sitters and, uh, you know, all kinds of cat things on the show. I thought I knew what to do with a cat sitter, what to expect, but I learned a lot of things in your book. There's a lot that you don't know. But before we dive into all of that, tell us first, why did you decide to write the book? I think you've actually touched on why I decided to write the book. I, I started cat sitting uh, around uh, in 2009. And as I was getting gigs, my clients would come to me, we do the meet and greet, and they would say to me, oh, you know, uh, Kitty's going to do this and Kitty is going to do that. And I found that they were always, well, maybe not always, but a lot of the time they were wrong. And the things that they told me what to expect from their cats was not what would happen. And so I sort of formed this general rule, your cat won't do that. And that turned into the kernel of the first chapter of this book. And I wrote that as an essay. And as I started to think about it, I realized that as you pointed out, there's a lot of things that people, I don't know, I don't know if it's necessarily correct to say they don't know. I think it's more like they don't think about it so much when you're talking about leaving your cat 
with someone who's going to be a sitter. So over the years, I kind of collected that wisdom. And once I realized I had enough there to write a short book, I figured this would be a, a good time to do that and a good, a good way to get that information out there and to create something that was sort of a, a conversation starter between cat companions and the people who take care of their cats when they're away. Most of these questions are going to probably follow the format of the book, but I loved your beginning because, you know, the first thing any cat pet parent wants to tell the sitter is, you know, my cat's going to do this. My cat's going to do that. My cat's going to do this. So just be wary of that or whatever. And then in your book, you say the cat's normal behaviors differ when you're not around. So when I was reading, I thought, so what are you supposed to be like a cat detective? And from what I gained, it seems like you kind of need to be. Well, you, you need to be aware of what your cat does with you and then what your cat does when you're home, but it's not with you. It's what I refer to as the independent behaviors. They're normal independent behaviors. And those are the things that a cat sitter really needs to know about. And the reason the cat sitter needs to know about it is what is a cat sitter there to do? It's, he's there to make sure that your cat is okay while you are gone. And the way he figures that out, because let's face it, we're talking about cats and cats are quite possibly the most inscrutable animals on earth. So you have to pick up clues to figure out whether your cat's correct or not. And that comes from the behaviors. And so your cat sitter needs to know what's normal with your cat. And that includes the normal things that are going on when you're not there. Because of course, when the cat sitter is there, the reason the cat sitter is there is because you're not. So that's the kind of information that the cat sitter needs to know. What is your cat like to do? That's sort of, you know, when you're in the, the other room, where do you find her when you've been away and you come home? Where is she taking a nap? You know, what does she play with? Those are the sorts of things that a cat sitter wants to know to make sure that um, during that time when you're uh, the cat, the family is gone and it's just the cat sitter and the cat alone there, and sometimes more than one cat, you know that everything's okay because that's the main goal. Let's, let's keep this cat healthy and happy. That sounds good. And then if you have cats with odd behaviors like this one, you're never going to see because he's so shy or this one's going to be all over you. I mean, do you think see those behaviors changing drastically when you're not there and the pet, pet parents not there? I was often told that um, this cat would do this. This cat would curl up with you when you're watching the TV. This cat um, likes to spend a lot of time in the room with you. And of course, that's exactly the sort of thing that pet parents will kind of attach to because it involves them. But, you know, the cat sitter is a different person and the cats who it's staying with, they don't necessarily react to the cat sitter in the same way. So it's great. I've had clients who, you know, the first time I was there, the first day I was there, sat down on, on the, the chair and immediately flopped into my lap and started uh, watching TV with me. It's rare to have that happen though, because they, you know, cats establish a relationship with their companions. And when you're a cat sitter coming into that, that new territory, it is the cat's territory after all, when you're at home, you're a stranger to them and you have to establish something with them. And that's a lot of what I talk about later on in the book. But the first thing is, yes, you got to figure out what's normal when that cat's family is not at home. And that is a very good tip because that's something that I don't think the cat pet parent would, would even consider, you know, at all. All right, let's move on to another thing. You talked also about eating tips. 
and you mentioned auto feeders, which I thought was a little unusual since you have a, if you have a cat sitter and this I never heard of, but I don't do this for my cats, but they gobble up their food anyway. The mashing tip, that was really interesting. I never heard about that. So tell us about what's ideal for eating time for your cat when you are have a sitter. For me, the important part about feeding when it comes to being a sitter is we were just talking about, you know, the cats make bonds with their companions when that family is at home. The way that the sitter bonds with the cat, I think the, the most crucial thing is the feeding. And I have had uh, one or two clients in the past who they had the little hopper and its dish underneath it and the cats would use that to feed themselves when they wanted to. And that's fine. I don't think there's really a problem with that. But what I found is whenever I was the one who was dishing out the cat food, that always formed, allowed me to form the strongest bonds with those clients of mine. And, and yes, I consider the cats to be the clients as well as the humans. But you know, th there's just something about that act of being the one who provides them with the vittles, as I say, that really it can seal the deal between the cat sitter and the cat, where the cat decides, you know what, this stranger isn't such a bad thing after all. I can deal with him. And it's a good thing to have him in the house here. So to me, using the hopper feeder is, is fine if you want to do that. But I always loved having the ability to get in there and, you know, open up that can and you hear that little metallic rasp. It's like, it's like ringing a, a, din a dinner bell because cats know when they hear that I'm about to get something that I want. And guess who's going to be handing it down? It's the sitter. That really helps form the strong bond. And I always loved doing that. You gave a great tip about mashing your cat's wet food. You said you've always mashed their food. I've never done that. And mine, my cats just gobble it up. So maybe I don't need to mash or should I mash? <laughs> should I or shouldn't I? Okay, let me declare. Yes, you should. Oh, I feel like a bad cat mom. I've never, I haven't done this ever. Okay. Well, you know what? If you're a bad cat mom, your cats will let you know that. And from what you've talked about your Dennis and Molly and Jazz, and you have a whole menagerie there. It's kind of yeah. tough to remember all of them. But uh, if they haven't, if they haven't really expressed that you've done anything wrong, I don't think you've done anything wrong. It's just been my experience that when you put that wet food in the bowl, and of course, sometimes some wet foods are like, they're so, they're so soft and squishy that they just kind of go into the bowl, you know, mashing them is kind of redundant. But I've always found that the cats seem to like it if you chop it up into little pieces. And I, there was a, a point in the book where I make the point of, saving plastic forks. I always find that that they seem to work even better or best of all to mash it up and make it into that little paste that because let's face it, like you said, cats will ironically wolf down their food. Some of them will. And sometimes I think that contributes to when cats decide to puke their food back up. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, um, too much, yes. You know, if they eat too much and, the, and then the chunks go down a little bit too big, and maybe they get a little uncomfortable. So I Jethro, think well, Jethro is guilty of doing that because he eats Sammy's food. But mm. you know, so no wonder Sammy's this little skinny cat, and he's Jethro's big. No wonder. No wonder, indeed. So yeah, I think it's. I I've always felt like it was a good idea. I I can't say I have any scientific proof of it. I was just like kind of like doing that for them. Well. 
my cats get wet and dry, so they they're spoiled. <laughs> they're spoiled anyway. We have a whole arrangement that we had to make because the dog Zeus unfortunately passed away um, last August, but we had to figure out something for the cats so that the dog wouldn't eat their food. And it was kind of creative, but that's, I'm sure, something that you experienced all the times a cat said are just little different changes as far as where the cat ate so that the cat would be comfortable and so forth. Sure. And since you mentioned it, I wanted to want to express my condolences for the loss of your dog because it, it's ironic you said that because Maxie, who was my cover model on the front of your cat, won't do that. Uh, she was my cat and she passed away last August too, as a matter of oh, fact. So, so I know the feeling. Yeah. And, and the book, the book uh, includes her on the cover and includes photos of many of my client cats because the book is as much a tribute to them and a thank you to them and their human companions as it is a vehicle for expressing information to uh, cat lovers. It's a great little book. We're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Hey everyone, Michelle Byrne here. I want to tell you about Carlson Pet Products. They are a family-owned, budget-conscious company specializing in creating pet safety products to keep your pet happily protected from the puppy stage through the senior years. Carlson offers a variety of products such as pet pens, folded elevated beds, crates, and pet gates. Their portable pet pens are lightweight and foldable and have a carry bag for storage when you're on the go. I love traveling with my portable pet pen from Carlson. It's made traveling with Nikki so much easier. I've used my portable pet pen at home, again, traveling, or even when I'm doing a short road trip. They're also ideal to use at home, traveling, or simply headed to the park down the street. The portable pet pens come in two sizes, six panel or eight panel, and they give your pet ample room to move around. Plus, you can add an attachable canopy to create a shaded outdoor oasis for your pet. Visit CarlsonPetProducts.com to get 25% off your order, plus free shipping using the promo code PETLIFE. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone. We're talking to Stephen Taylor. He is the author of Your Cat Won't Do That. It is a great guide for the pet parent on um, for what to expect when you have a cat sitter, what you need to do, what you need to think about, and more. Now, Stephen, I didn't expect to find this in your book, but you talk about litter boxes. I think that's like a bonus thing because well, first, I think if you have a cat sitter that's going to clean your litter box, you better plan on paying more for sure, because that's cleaning the litter box. And you had some really interesting information. You talked about mistakes people make as far as size placement. And this was a surprise to me. Shape. Yeah. All I knew, all I know about litter boxes is you need to have one more than you have cats. So I have four in my house. And three on the quote catio. Right. Uh, first, I want to congratulate you on being so diplomatic. We call it um, mistakes. It, the litter box is the biggest source of the cat sitter's pet peeves because people do, I mean, and people are not acting out of ill will or anything, but I think people have misconceptions about the litter boxes. People tend to fill them with too much sand. 
you know, they make them too big and too small. They have those lids that have the latches on them. The thing that drove me crazy was always those litter boxes with the latched lids. But you're right. Shape is a big, is a huge deal because most of the litter boxes that are out there on the market today are kind of square or square-ish. They're, they're rectangular. And the litter that we use today is pretty much invariably, it's about clumping up the urine and it's sticky. And what happens is when you have those rectangular boxes, you get these corners and in the corners, because cats are cats and they're kind of perverse and they want to make things as hard as possible on their humans. So they always do their peeing in the corner and the clump winds up sticking the two surfaces instead of one there. And when you have to dig that out, because it'll get with some litters, it'll get really sticky. And what happens is the clump starts to break down and all of the dirty stuff winds up getting in the, uh, in the rest of the litter. And it sort of defeats the purpose of having the clumping litter. And then you've got to change the whole box to make sure it's clean again. Exactly. For my purposes, I always felt like you know, the best thing is round. And it can be difficult to find a perfectly round uh, litter pan. Uh, I have one that my Maxi used. Uh, some of my clients had ones that were rectangular, but they had like kind of heavily rounded corners. They were almost circular on each end. And to me, that's always the best thing to go. If there's any litter box manufacturers out there, please, 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 please round off your corners. It makes scooping the litter, uh, the clumps of, of urine out of there so much easier. And it keeps a cleaner litter box. And that's what we want because we want to make life easier, not harder. Exactly. Well, I have one that's kind of round. It's roundish and there's like a little steps to get inside. It's round where they do the business. Well, that's the, that's the goal. Power that I have at least one right round one. Yes. Okay. And you have a really, I've never heard of this, the bad litter test to see if there's too much dust in the litter, if dust gets on your glasses. Yes, because I've been a glasses wearer my whole life. And so for me, and you know, every single client I had, they seem to use different litter. So I, I sort of ran the gamut through a lot of them. And there's no question about it. If you're wearing glasses, when you do that shake and scoop, uh, you will see it on your glasses. And the best litters, the ones that hold down the dust and you know, don't make you wind up feeling like you've you know, breathed in an entire beach or something, you'll notice the difference with your wear if you're wearing glasses and you know you can get reading glasses if you're not actual glasses wear or goggles or something that'll cover your eyes and then you take those off and you if you see a lot of dust after you've scooped out your litter box your litter is probably too dusty and you should consider a change yes that would be good all right let's talk about i love this chapter because you talked about you know a lot of health expectations. Obviously, you should always leave vet information for your setter. You should um, let them know about emergency vet if you have an older cat or just if something happens. And I really liked, <laughs> I felt like, you know, okay, I'm not alone in this when you said you had a problem giving medication. You know, cats are not like dogs because dogs, Zeus need anything, I could just shove the pill down his throat. You know, you lift up their neck, rub their throat, and you're done. For cats, no way. Yes. And I actually found when my Maxie was sick last year and she needed to get pills and, and she needed to get some, some liquid stuff put into her mouth and she needed to get shots too. The thing that was amazing to me was that giving her the shots was the easiest thing because when it comes to putting something in their mouths, not only do cats not want to do it, they, they actually seem to be very skilled at thwarting it. And the number of times I've had uh, a cat let something drool out the side of their mouths or 
I put the pill in and I could have sworn that the pill went down. I would have sworn in court that the pill went down their throat. And then, you know, a minute later, they go hit and then there's the pill on the floor. And it's just, it's such a difficult thing. And it's something that when you're leaving your cat with a sitter, you have to, you absolutely have to check that first. You have to make sure that this person who's going to be watching your cat is okay with doing it and that they are capable of doing it. And if your cat needs medicine, you've got to do a trial run with the sitter before you leave the cat with them. Otherwise, your cat can wind up just not getting her medicine. And who knows what can be the consequences of that, depending upon what the medicine is for. Well put. And I mean, even if you have to give a pill, I had to hide it in food. And it got to where there was such a little teeny piece and Dennis would still like eat around it. But finally, I, I don't know what I put on it. He finally got it down, but they are sneaky. Um, okay, let's move on to this. I, we're, we have the same opinion on this with indoor, outdoor cats because I have, well, let's say I have three of my cats are indoor. The two that are outdoor were kind of TNR cats and the dude, Jethro, would be okay inside. Sammy would not. So they have, you know, they have a little house. They have a little water fountain. This is all right outside my front door. They have, they get medication. They've been neutered and spayed. They've, you know, they have as good as it comes. But Sammy would just not be good inside, so I can't separate them. But otherwise, I don't like the idea of a cat going outdoors. And I know that, you know, in the U.S., there's a lot of indoor, outdoor. And in Europe, when I was talking to an, um, a cat, Anita, um, oh, I'm going to mess up her last name. I think Kelsey, she is a cat behaviorist. And she said in England, it's quite common for them to be, you know, indoor, outdoor. I would be terrified to leave my cats outdoors. You know, in, we're in South Florida, right around my neighborhood, there's raccoons, there's possums, there's all kinds of things. What about if the cat doesn't come back? Yes, that's the big thing for a cat sitter. Because as we established earlier on, the, the companion family has a relationship with the cat. Until the cat sitter has been with the cat for a while, that relationship is very tenuous. And if a client family said to me, let, you know, let the cats out under this schedule, it always made me really nervous because I just never knew if the cat was actually going to come back or if there was going to be any problems. And of course, if you do let the cat out, there are so many things that can happen to a cat out there in the world, as you, as you detailed there. And it's not just the four-legged, it's the two-legged animals that are out there who could be help, uh, exactly. harmful too. So, and, you know, as I say in the book, cat sitters, because they're taking care of somebody else's cat, they tend to be risk averse. We don't want to put a cat out in a situation where something could happen. Because I can remember the most harrowing experience of my cat sitting career was I had clients who let their cats out and then their cat, they let them out in the morning and the cats would be out as long as they wanted to be, but they would come back in in the night. And one of them, Buddy, there was a night, it was a Sunday night. I was waiting for him to come home and it was getting late and I was waiting for him. And then I heard this blood curdling cry outside. And earlier that evening, not that long before, I had seen an opossum walk right by the patio door in the house where, there where I was staying. And I thought for sure that Buddy was a boner. I thought for sure that he would, had been attacked by that possum and that, that he was an ex-cat, let's put it that way. 
And I, I was out there on the front porch after midnight and it was real, it was late. So I couldn't really scream out for him. I had to kind of whisper, buddy, 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 come, please come home. And eventually I found him hiding underneath one of the cars that was parked nearby. Something clearly had happened to him, but at least I knew he was, he was okay. I couldn't get him out from underneath that car for anything. And when you're a cat sitter and you want, you want that cat safe and sound inside, that's the kind of situation that you desperately want to avoid. So if it's at all possible, I always prefer that my clients would keep their cats indoors and not, not run the risk with them and not making me run the risk because I, I never wanted to get involved with that kind of danger. You know, I agree. And I don't even like so much when my cats sit or I try to avoid this because we're in South Florida. There's screen patios and all of that. That's just a common thing. But in South Florida, because, you know, we don't have fires. We have, you know, I was just looking on Instagram. Everybody has their fire, you know, lit up. Not here. It's 90 degrees. We have a patio or catio, I should call it. But I don't even like when my cats are out there with this sitter because sometimes they don't want to come in and the raccoons are like pretty close. They come out at night and they're obviously nocturnal and they're close. They could break through the screen if they wanted to. They usually get along pretty peacefully with the cats in the neighborhood. But when you have, sometimes you have ill raccoons or who knows what. And I don't want to take that chance. So I even, usually when I'm gone, it's not that long. So I don't, I don't feel so bad about no catio for four days, five days, whatever. Because it just scares me that what if they couldn't get the cat back in just from that? And, and you're correct that it's not going to hurt the cat over a couple of days if you say, well, let's just leave the cat indoors while we're gone. Because, of course, whenever the, the client family is at home, if they want to let the cats out, okay, fine. They, they incur the risk to their cats, to themselves, and, and you know, the, the risk of incurring something to somebody else's cat maybe. But when you have a cat sitter there for a, a short period of time, it really eases things up to, to take that burden off the cat sitter's uh, plate and mixing metaphors there a little bit. But to just, to just give the cat sitter a break and say, you know what, it's okay if, if Kitty has to stay, quote unquote, imprisoned for a couple of days. Uh, she'll get along eventually. She'll right. And they could look out the window. Yes, they can. <laughs> Molly likes to sit on the piano and look out the window. So there's other great tips in your book that we don't have time to talk about everything. I like your little note about special cats, the black and tuxedo. You know, Molly's a tuxedo. She's not really cuddly, but she has her own way of uh, expressing affection. And she's the only cat that sits with us when we watch TV. She is always right there. I have found in my experience, and this is not just the cat sitting, I also was a shelter volunteer for, I believe it was eight years at doing uh, socializing with adoptable cats. And I always found that the black cats, the black and white, the tuxedo cats, they were always the friendliest ones. Uh, they were always the ones that were, and it's ironic because those are the ones that are often the hardest to get adopted. And that's why I put that note in the book and say, uh, if, you, if you're prejudging that, you should probably rethink what you're thinking. Because those cats are great cats and you will, you will love those cats if you adopt one. Stephen, you've been such a wealth of information, but your book has even more. Where can people find it? So I have a website for the book. It's yourcatwontdothat.com. And there's no, no, uh, 
there's no apostrophe or exclamation point or anything. And if you go there, there are links to uh, places where you could buy. It's at all the usual suspects in terms of uh, purchasing books. If you have an independent bookseller uh, nearby, you, you can go into a bookstore and have them order it for you because it is under wide distribution through Ingram, the, the big book distribution uh, services company. But it's available everywhere. But the key is yourcatwontdothat.com. If you visit that site, you'll get all the information you need. Thank you so much for coming on Catitude. This was just eye-opening, a lot of fun, and very educational. I think there's a lot of cat parents out there that are listening that are going to go, wow, you know, that's a good tip. I'm, we're still in pandemic mode a little, so, but we're, we're traveling a little bit. So there's going to be cat sitters that are going to be needed and pet parents that need to know how to interact with them and what the cat sitters and what the cat sitter needs as far as information. So great timing for the show. And again, thank you so much, Stephen, for coming on Catitude. Thank you very much for having Uh, having me on the show. I really appreciate all the kind words you have for my book. And I hope that we share some really good information with folks today and that they'll learn something from this and that it'll be great. I'm sure they will. Wow. This has been a great show and so informative. You know, as cat pet parents, there's always a chance we're going to need a cat sitter at some point. So very informative show. I'd like to thank my guest, Stephen Taylor, for coming on Catitude. Thanks to Mark Winter for making me and my guests sound amazing. Thanks to all of you out there in, you know, Cyberland or, you know, everywhere listening to Catitude. I appreciate it so much. Let's see. I have been doing Catitude now for four years. I don't know how many shows, over 100. And um, I appreciate every one of you listening. So thank you, thank you, thank you. And of course, thanks to my cat crew. They are always teaching me about cats all the time. So thanks to uh, Dennis and Molly, Charlotte, Sammy, and Jethro. And hey, remember, lose the attitude. Have catitude. Let's Talk Pets. Every week on demand. Only on PetLifeRadio.com.